On behalf of all uh, servicemen and women uh, that, that protect our freedom in light of this week as we remember uh, September 11th, let's just celebrate uh, how many great servants protect our nation. Let's praise God for that. We're in this series, Better Together, um, and it is based on God's word from a letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, where he is saying, hey, remember you're in Christ, and you're better together. And he says this at the, at the beginning of chapter four, the chapter we're in today, he says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. See, what had happened in the church in Ephesus, they had lost their focus, they had kind of forgotten their, their first love of, of Christ and then the body of Christ, which is one another, and they're distracted by things that are going on in the world, by the government, by, by uh, the fear of death, and they begin to, to fight amongst themselves. They begin to have anger uh, uh, to the world and, and those even around them, and, and Paul is saying, remember your unity in Christ and you're better together. We have been called to live in unity and we're to make every effort to stay together in peace. Yet when you look around our world and nation, there's so much that's dividing us. Guys, we're divided uh, by so many different things. And it's not just a worldly problem. It's not just a problem for your friends. Disunity is a problem uh, for our nation, for our churches, for our families, for our marriages, and at times for our own relationship with Christ. And we can't set back and allow the things of the world to continue to divide us because we truly are better together, united in Christ. In today's text, Paul gets right to the point and he says this. He, he calls out some things that divide us and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He says, get rid of it. I wonder which of those words uh, apply to something in your heart or your mind or your actions that, that is just time for you to let go of. Hey, while 2020 has placed us within a health pandemic, we're, we're living it, there's a much greater problem facing our nation right now and it's infiltrating into our churches and our families and maybe your own relationship. This disease is not of a health concern, but it's more dangerous than anything we could face physically. We are in an anger pandemic. We are, we are in a, a, a sense of anger that is spreading wild, like wildfire. It's fueled by frustration of the unknown. It's fueled by the fear of death and often by just opinions instead of facts. Dallas Willard is a theologian that grew up in St. Louis area. He's known worldwide for writing about spiritual formation and unity within the church. And here's his opinion that, that divides the church uh, as much as anything. He says, anger is the most fundamental problem in human life. He says, when we look at human life and relationships, the, the greatest problem is anger. If you take a moment, watch the news or listen to your neighbor, more and more you see people becoming angry. Last month, I read an article from the Washington Post. It, I don't receive the Washington Post, but it was sent to me, and it was a link. And here was the title of the article. It says, Americans are living in a big anger incubator. You know, that, that idea that we're just, uh, uh, just brewing anger and frustration, and it's growing. Here was the subtitle, Experts Have Tips to Regulate a Rage. I don't know about you, but I am well past the desire to regulate my rage. And I, I, I was awarded a superlative in, in, in my graduating class, the worst temper, okay? My mom's like, well, that's great. 
But in recent weeks, I have felt frustration and anger rise in, a, in a, an elders meeting on Wednesday night after church. I was sharing with the elders some of the new uh, concerns that we had, some of the new dilemmas we had. And one of the elders just kind of said, oh, he, he just said it differently, but this is what I heard. Slow down, Tyson. I can see you're frustrated and I understand. A recent survey in that article proclaimed that over the last few years, anger has risen steadily but it has skyrocketed during the pandemic. The average person has had it with the pandemic politics and people who've been put in place that we should trust who are, who are doing whatever it takes just to save themselves at times. So many places we see tempers flaring, neighbors fighting, old friends at odds, and growing family feuds. There's civil unrest, uh, health concerns, financial pressure, unresolved conflict, that has creeped into not only to our nation, our churches, our families, our marriages, and yes, our relationship with Jesus. And Paul here is saying, make every effort to keep the bond of peace through the unity that is in the spirit because we're united in Christ. Make every effort. It's too dangerous to ignore it because it's not going away. That is the anger pandemic. It won't go away on its own. I, uh, we, we are seeing it hit a, a new high in many of our lives. Just this week on Tuesday, a young man who I coached in youth football, who, whose dad was my assistant coach for one year, based on unresolved conflict, based on anger and frustration and sin that I may not know, but I'm, I, I'm convinced that there was a lot of things brewing for years, that that young man who's now a freshman shot his father. Yeah, they attended our church in Hersher occasionally. They, they lived in a surrounding area, but my son uh, received a phone call from one of his friends because they played for, to football together. Th this, this young boy was so frustrated, so angry with things, he decided the only way out of the situation was to shoot his own dad, and my heart breaks for that family. That was Tuesday. The same day, a man I love from this church who I've worshiped with often uh, sent me a message. He said, Tyson, I have to confess, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, so angry, angry with the, the opinions I see based on politics. I do not believe I can come to worship at church, not by what he sees at church, but I just don't believe I can worship at church with somebody with a different political view than I have. I don't know if I can worship anymore. And my heart broke for both those things on the same day. That was devastating to know a, a, a freshman boy took his father's life and then another brother in Christ saying, I don't think I can worship because someone from a different political view might be sitting next to me. Guys, we're divided and we've got to take a stand because we're better together. So what's the remedy for that? God's word gives it, but do we take it? Do, do we utilize it? While we're better together, the world is working hard at tearing us apart. Anger and hate are spreading more quickly than the virus. I wonder how many of you feel frustrated and angry right now. I just confessed on Wednesday, I was a little bit boiling over. I'm so thankful uh, B.J. Debiton was baptized on Wednesday night. Let's praise God for that. <laughs> B.J. was right here. Uh, the service ended well, and then we went into an elders meeting just dealing with the pandemic and all the, the next issues, and I got a little bit hot, hot under the collar again. I wonder how many of you feel frustrated even when good things happen. How many of you feel like uh, you can't forgive someone or something that's going on in your life because you're just, you've been offended, something's been taken away. Maybe you're a senior who's, who just started this year and, and you, you, you're not having your senior year. Maybe you graduated uh, this past year and you, you lost the end of your senior year and you're just angry. Or maybe you're the parents of those students and you're angry. I wonder how many of you feel frustrated. 
What are, you, what are we going to do about it? Do you know who we hurt when we do nothing about it? It's not that thing or that person that we're angry with. It, we hurt ourselves. I mean, think about this. We say it all the time, just this phrase, who, who gets hurt? He's a real pain in my neck. That's right. Whose neck? It's, it's your neck. It, it, it's, not, it's not the person's neck. Or think about this. She really gets under whose skin? My skin. Not her skin. And Paul tells us, even when we're angry, uh, especially, I think, when we're angry, because uh, there is some anger that is righteous anger. Remember, Jesus went into uh, the temple, and he saw the money changers taking advantage of God's people, and he overturned the temples. His anger was justified. God becomes angry at sin, but he, uh, the Word of God says this, even when we get angry, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The word of God here in Ephesians chapter four, Paul is telling the church, you've missed the point. You've become angry with all these different things and it's boiling over and it's affecting your relationships and we're supposed to be united in Christ, but we're not better when we're angry. We're better when we're together. And he says this, a remedy for this based on God's word is in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. But replace it with this, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. There's the remedy, the replacement for all this anger is kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. But being kind, being compassionate, forgiving someone who's hurt you, who's sinned against you or your family, your spouse, your children, it's the last thing we want to do. I have to admit there's times whenever I see an injustice, whenever I see someone who, who is wronged or hurt, especially my children, when, when someone hurts daily, you, you better believe I'm ready to defend. But we're called to be kind and compassionate and make every effort to have peace. Man, many of us as Christians, instead of forgiving or being kind to someone who's wronged us, someone who's been stupid and hurt us, We'd rather uh, travel halfway around the world and serve someone in a mission field who we'll never, ever meet again. We'd rather memorize the book of Lamentations than forgive. Some of you would sign up for 40 years of changing diapers in the nursery before you'd forgive that stubborn person that did you wrong. Amen? That's what we'd rather do. But God has called us to forgive. So, so what do we do? How do we forgive? How should we respond Instead of forgiving, we respond, I believe, often with one of the four R's. We respond to our anger by first retaliation. Retaliation is always an option. It, it, it feels too good at times at first. Did you hear about the soldier that was serving in Korea? And he was engaged to be married. His life was going well. He, he was going to be back home in less than a year. And he was going to uh, marry uh, this woman he had met last time he was back home. But she sent him a note and says, the, the wedding's off. I found someone else and I'm going to be marrying them soon. And his heart was broken. I mean, broken terribly. He was hurt. She said, oh yeah, by the way, could you send back the picture I sent you a few months back? Because I need it for the newspaper to announce my wedding to the other guy. Boy, you talk about being hurt. But his buddies came back to his defense. They brought all of their pictures of their girlfriends. They put them in a shoebox and they prepared them to mail. Uh, but, the, but the soldier who had been broken up, he wrote a note to his, his ex-fiancee. 
And he said, uh, hey, here's your picture. You have to go through those to find your photo because for the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. (laughs) Retaliation feels good. But it leaves you still hurt. It doesn't help you really move forward. How about rehashing? Some of you are rehashers. You've been in my office. I'm a rehasher at times. What a rehasher does is just replays the wrong over and over again in your mind. It lets your blood boil, boil, boil. It lets your anger and your bitterness grow, grow, grow. And you'll rehash it. You'll think about it 100 times a day. You'll think about how you were wronged again and again and again. And some of you are doing it right now. And if I gave you half a chance, you would tell us all about it. You'd rehash it with us all uh, because you'll rehash it with anyone that will listen, but it doesn't do any good. It doesn't help you move forward. Now, there is a time today after the service, this one gentleman told me for the first time, told someone for the first time of something that was done wrong and they asked for power to forgive. And he says, Tyson, I hope I'm not rehashing. I said, no, you're, you're letting it be known and then we're bringing it before God. But how many of you are rehashers who just think about it over and over again and really never move on? Some of you just are looking for release. Maybe you've done wrong. This is me. Sometimes you just scream, I can't believe they did that. Whether people around or you're by yourself, you just let out a yell of anger. There's some, there's some benefit to that at times. But some of you find release by putting your fist through the door of the person that you're fighting with on the other side of the doors. Others of you post things on social media uh, of just release of, of, of frustration that helps no one. Maybe you'll send out a mass email to all your coworkers letting the offense be known and you just kind of release it that way. Others of you will do drugs or, or become drunk on alcohol. Some of you will look for a one night stand, just have that moment of release. But when all those things are over, the pain is still there unless there's forgiveness. The most tempting thing is to find revenge. I've heard this before. I've even been told this. Tyson, don't get mad. Just get even. (laughs) Don't get mad. Just get even. We're not selling trash bags, Joey. (laughs) Here's the interesting thing. Revenge is so tempting. Isn't revenge tempting? But here's what the Word of God says. Romans 12. Listen to this. When you're tempted to get revenge... Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, I I hear right here, just pause. Make every effort, uh, do everything you can, as far as it's possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Here's where it gets good. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Just pause right here for a second. You may be all about getting revenge. You may be all about getting even. Let God be in control of that because he's much better at it than I ever will be or you ever can be. God has the ability at just the right time to bring those who have hurt you, who have sinned against you or your family or the church, whatever it may be, he has the power to bring them to their knees, to bring them to repentance. I don't have that power. God has the ability to avenge. He says, I will repay. Let's trust God in that. Because there's a great cost for not trusting him. There's a great cost for division and anger when we hold on to it. The first cost is this, we disobey God. When we have continued division among the church, among our families, in our marriages, we disobey God. Because the word of God here says, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
and forgive them just as in Christ God forgave you. There's a cost of division, it's disobedience. This may not set well with everyone, especially you may be listening online. You're like, I just, I just want to become a little stronger uh, and, and find out what God's word could help me be better. Here's the bottom line. If we are in um, a, a situation of anger or frustration or bitterness, God's word commands that we forgive. God's word does not just do, says, do the convenient things, just the things that you think will make you better. God's word is calling us to obey all of it. And when we do obey it, guys, it is the best option. It brings peace and joy and a growing relationship with him and others. I have never once chosen to follow God's word and at the end of the day saying, boy, that was the wrong choice. It's never once happened, not once. I've never once been in a situation where God laid on my heart who I need to forgive and then been obedient to offer that forgiveness and been like, boy, that was a mistake because peace and joy and a Christ-like life will follow. I've never regretted obeying God. But division, holding on to hatred and bitterness, is disobedience, and there's a price to pay. It's costly. Right now, before we move on, I've got to ask you, God is calling us to forgive. Who are you harboring a grudge against? Who are you uh, holding on to bitterness because of what they've done wrong? And they may have done you wrong. They may have sinned. Who do you need to forgive because you are being held back from rehashing, from, from resentment. Maybe you are wanting to, to always get even. Who right now, who has hurt you tremendously, that God is giving you an opportunity to forgive so you can move forward, so this church can be better together, so you can be more like Christ? Jesus even calls us to pray about it. He says in the Lord's Prayer, and forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. There is a direct correlation for us seeking forgiveness and always being in continually forgiveness of others. There's another cost, though, to unresolved conflict and anger and division if it's not dealt with. First, we disobey God. That's a high cost. Secondly, there's a high cost in this. We open the door for the devil. Right in the middle of this section on anger, right after he says, whatever you, whatever you can do, uh, resist the anger. Uh, and then he says, forgive those who you're angry with. He says this because... If not, you'll give the devil a foothold. He says, don't let the sun go down your anger and don't give the devil a foothold. The devil is looking for any opportunity. A foothold for the devil is something you can grab onto and use it for his own, own desires to kill, steal, and destroy anything that's good, especially relationships, especially the church, especially your marriages, especially the relationship between a father and a son. a husband or wife, a brother or sister in Christ, the devil is going to do whatever he can to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is ready to hold on to bitterness and say, I'm going to multiply it. The, the word of God here says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Even if it's righteous anger, deal with it so the devil doesn't start dividing. He says, if you don't, you, you go to sleep and that, that bruise and the devil works. And you let him into your heart and your life and your home. Who would be willing to invite the devil in if he knocked at your door tonight and say, hey, come on in, devil? If he would dock it, knock at your door tonight and say, hey, I don't have anywhere to go tonight. Can I hang out with your family? Can I come on in and sleep with you? If he would say, hey, I'm here, none of us would willingly invite him in. But what the word of God here is saying, every night you go to sleep with anger and bitterness in your heart, the devil is sleeping in your bed, in your heart, in your mind. 
And he says, it's dangerous. He says, do not let the sun grow down on your anger and give the devil a foothold right there where, you, where you're living. When we're angry and we lay down, it, it, our frustrations brew over and we're inviting the devil to divide and that's a high cost. I wonder how many nights people who end up devastated by anger stew and rehash and let the devil just brew the bitterness. The cost of division is also high because not only is God affected, the, whole, the, the devil is invited in, but the, the scripture says we grieve the Holy Spirit. In verse 30, uh, right in the middle of this anger uh, call to, to, to forgive and, and this call for uh, um, bitterness to be let go, it says this, do not grieve the whole Holy Spirit of God. In the middle of this command, uh, God is letting us know one of the dangers is the Holy Spirit is grieved. Well, what does that mean? The simplest way to put it is the Holy Spirit is saddened. The Holy Spirit uh, becomes uh, affected by the hate that we harbor. If you're holding on to anger today, you're affecting the Spirit's work in your life. You're, you're cutting off the power for the Spirit to guide you, to give you peace, uh, to give you insight into God's Word. It just affects you in every way. In fact, Jesus supports this in Mark chapter 11. He says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Jesus saying, when you come into a spiritual moment, it might be when you stand praying, I think it's when you come to the communion table, I think it's when you're about ready to give a gift, it talks about that also in the New Testament, when, when you're ready to worship, when you're trying to study God's word, if you hold something against someone, he says, forgive them first, and you'll be able to spiritually move forward, you'll be able to grow, including being forgiven yourself. I mean, how many of you have, have you tried to, to pray with someone or pray about something and you're angry, it doesn't work very well. How many of you try to study God's word when you're angry and boiling over with bitterness? Your, your study is limited. How many times have you come uh, to a time of communion and you're thinking about what, what someone did to you this week and you can't focus on your own forgiveness because you're so worried about something else? Jesus is saying, if you're doing a spiritual thing and you're holding against someone, forgive them. Well, Tyson, I just can't do it. Well, here's the Here's the challenge from the King James Version. Here's what it says in verse 26, the next verse. But if you do not forgive, neither will your, your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Guys, this is serious. This is a high cost. If we are harboring bitterness, if we, if we have hatred in our, our heart, if we're boiling over with anger, it affects our own ability to even forgive if we haven't forgiven others. We gotta check that. Pause right now, and if you are going to move forward and be blessed all day, you, you need to uh, accept the challenge to forgive and let your own heart and your mind know to, right now that you're going to move forward in forgiveness of someone who has wronged you, and they may have been dead wrong. It may be your spouse. It may be your preacher. It, it may be your boss. If they have hurt you, check yourself and say, I'm going to move forward no matter what happens. As long as it uh, is left up to me, I'm going to pursue peace. Because some of us are boiling over and we're dangerous. The word of God says this, a hot-tempered person is dangerous to be around. It says somebody who is easily angered is kind of a, a, a dangerous person and we can't be that person. So check yourself. Are you hot-tempered? Are you angry? Do you need to cool off? Do you need to find a cure? Have you guys noticed that sometimes before you can move on in life right now, you've got to have your temperature checked, you've got to have a, a checkpoint? How many of you have had your temperature checked before you can move on to something lately? Okay, many of you have had. It's never happened to me. 
This whole season, I think because, you know, my, my life is uh, primarily here, I haven't had any medical things, it just hadn't happened until we went on vacation this summer. Strangely enough, it went through a checkpoint coming down Pikes Peak that was all about temperature. And I was like resisting this. I, I, as, as we saw this line, the, the, uh, uh, the, the forest rangers were there and they, they were making everybody funnel down to one lane and the lane was backing up and they were doing this temperature check and I could see car after car being pulled to the side, quarantined. I was like, this is not going well. I'm gonna be shut down or vacation, you know? And then I realized it was not a physical temperature check for a fever, but it was for your brakes. It was a temperature check for to carve your brakes as you're coming down the mountain. Mandatory brake check. And they had their, their temperature thing out there. And I think if you were over 300 degrees, you were pulled off the side. And these, it was a busy day, so people were riding the brakes. Every, every other one pulled over, pulled over. And the boys were like, you think we're gonna get pulled over? I said, absolutely not. I have not touched the brakes all the way down the mountain. I've had it in low. If you haven't used the brakes at all. So I was feeling a little bit like, okay, I'm going to surprise this guy. He comes up and texts the first brake, and you could see him look at it. He's kind of surprised. The second one, uh, no heat at all. He's like, your brakes aren't even warm. I said, I know. We're moving on. We're going. We're, 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 we're gone. And he let us keep going. Guys, that's not my heart usually. There are times my heart gets heated up and I need to slow down and check myself and say, Tyson, you can't move on in life until you deal with the anger, your frustration, the bitterness you have. Because as a pastor, I don't know of any more dangerous way to live than a life full of anger. I don't know of any more dangerous way to live as a Christian than a life full of anger, especially for people who are to be loving. So check yourself today. Do a temperature check. How was your heart... And have you found the cure for anger and bitterness and rage? It's in the text. We're going to go through it really quickly here. There's a cure for this anger for division. Look at the first one mentioned here. It's a cure for kindness. It says in the scripture, look at chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of all that. Be kind. That's the first one. Be compassionate. For, to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The first cure is kindness. Man, we want to get even, and, and the scripture says in Romans, on the contrary, look what it says, if your enemy, if that person who's done you wrong, you, you fill in the blank who that enemy is. If that enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Kill them with kindness. I know that's not scriptural, but I've heard that a lot and it works. Uh, it, it diffuse the situation with love. Some of you are very good at that. I, I've watched two women in my life do this tremendously well, my wife and my mom. They would see a, a tense situation, whether it's home among the kids or between myself and my dad, or it could be a situation at church, it could be a, 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 an incident on the basketball court. I mean, she could be at Walmart, and two ladies fighting over uh, whatever, they, what, you know, whatever they were looking for, and my mom would just kill the situation with kindness and, and, and insert an ability to just show love. Is that your nature? God is calling us to be that type of person that the moment we see tempers flaring, that we step back and offer kindness. I want to challenge you right now, that person that you really can't stand, maybe for, they're from the wrong political party, not the right or the left, just the wrong one. Why don't you be kind to them instead of argue? 
Maybe someone who has really sinned against you and they've hurt you or your family. In that moment where you want to get revenge, do something to show them kindness. And they will not understand it, but in that moment, they will see Christ more clearly than any other probably thing you could ever do. The cure for division and anger is kindness. Try it. Try it today. The cure for division is also tenderheartedness. Tenderheartedness is, is often explained or translated compassion. Be, be compassionate. Have you ever noticed that person that's always uh, pushing your buttons, always getting under your skin, always driving you crazy, uh, sometimes even uh, doing something that is downright sinful against you? They're often the person that's been hurt the most. And they need compassion. They need the love of Christ. Uh, instead of always having a reason to be angry, we should give them a reason to show that we care, that we, we love them. There was a young man that I went to high school with and he was always just uh, kind of uh, angry and, and hot-tempered and, and, and just frustrated. And one day he, he took that frustration right out of me. We were in Algebra 1. I was standing against the, the old boiler heater in the class ready to, for the teacher to come in and sit down. He walks in the door. I'm not even paying attention to him. And out of this, this cheek, I just see him co-cock me. And I, I go on the floor. I think I'm knocked out for just a few seconds. It's the first time I'd ever just been flat-out hit. Coming back on that, thinking back on that, all the way down, probably three or four minutes, he walked down the hall. He was bullied all the way in. He was just looking for the next person to hit. I just happened to be the smallest guy in the class. And he took his anger out of me. Later on that year, we began to have a friendship because I just consistently showed that I cared. But guys, his hurt was so heavy. His life was consistently under ridicule and hardship and hurt. And he didn't know what to deal with it. We need to be the type of people that show compassion on those people that are hurting so much. That's what Christ does. He shows compassion on those who are hurting. But there's one most powerful thing we can do to cure division and hatred, and it's forgive. But how? How do you forgive? Why would we forgive? I want you to know something that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying that was, what was done wrong was right. If someone has wronged you, if someone has hurt you, when you forgive, it is not justifying it. It is saying, this was wrong, but yet I still forgive you. Forgiveness is also not giving them permission to do it again. Absolutely not. In fact, if someone has hurt you, has sinned against you, you need to uh, make sure you create some space, even as you're kind to them, even as you're compassionate to them, create some space where they do not have an ability to hit you again. Guys, for a while, when that guy walked into class, I made sure I had my eyes on him, Okay. There may be a situation, a person in your life who has hurt you again and again and again, and you need to say, no, I'm putting up a barrier, boundary, so this doesn't happen again. But forgiveness, what it is, is giving up the right to hurt them for hurting you. You're saying, I'm not going to look for an ability to hurt you because here's what I'm living out in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. I am not going to repay evil for evil. And I'm going to be careful to do what's right in everyone's eyes. As far as it's possible for me, as long as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with you, with everyone. That's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to forgive and then live at peace no matter the cost. If you're at odds with someone right now, I, I encourage you to seek peace uh, no matter the cost, to seek what to do right in the eyes of everyone, not just the, the person you're closest to, not just the person that wrongs you, but in the eyes of everyone. And then in that, you'll be like Christ. And even if that relationship with that person who hurts you isn't resolved, someone will be set free. Listen to what Lewis Smead says, a Christian author. 
He says the first and often only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiving. It's so true. When we generally forgive, we set a person free and then discover the prisoner we have set free was us. Some of you have not sinned in this problem, yet it needs forgiveness, and you're the one still held captive by it. You're still held prisoner by it because you have been hurt by someone and they don't even know it, but you need to forgive them and move on because you're being held back and your days are wasted by something they're not even worried about. But when we genuinely forgive, the person we often set free is ourselves. I, I pray that you forgive today. How? Just as Christ forgave you and he forgave us completely, he forgives us constantly. But Tyson, you don't know what they did to me. You, you don't know how much I've been hurt. You don't know how sinful and how... Uh, uh, purposeful, the pain that they put in me was. And how am I ever going to do that? Why would I ever do that? Because we're called to do that and we're better together. I want you to watch this story of a man who was hurt tremendously by sin and see how they're better together when forgiveness flows. Watch this. We end this week with a lesson in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Well, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. 
So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Let's praise God for that. So what's your excuse? Instead of celebrating uh, some forgiveness right now, many of us are holding on to something that we have not let go of that's far less radical than the injustice that that gentleman faced. But the miraculous power of Jesus provides a sense of celebration, a sense of joy, an ability for us to say we love each other when we really, based on our own human desires, hate each other. It goes for husbands and wives here today, uh, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, brothers, sisters in Christ. If you're holding something against someone, forgive them and joy will follow and we will be better together. Amen. But if we don't, guys, we will have this poison, this cancer grow within us and it will affect and impact our, our witness for Christ and our voice will be virtually muted in this world. Guys, this world is trying to divide us and we need to be united. Now, more than ever. You might be saying, Tyson, I just can't do it. I, I could never be uh, like that gentleman, forgive that police officer for the sin that he did against me. I would never be able to do that. And I would say you're very normal if this is the case, if you've not received the forgiveness of Christ. The scripture makes it clear time and time again, we are to forgive just as Christ forgave us, just as God forgave us in Christ. If you have not received forgiveness in Christ, today is a day, and it will potentially give you the power to forgive others. But until you've done that, there isn't any hope. But when we have that change and that forgiveness, it's a hope that changes everything and impacts the world and God will receive glory. Would you stand with me as we sing? If you have a decision to make, please come forward. If you want to accept Christ's forgiveness, if you need to forgive someone today, maybe it's your spouse. Just hold on to their hand. Uh, say, we need to talk later today. It, maybe it's someone in the room. Before you leave, say, I'm sorry. You might say, would you forgive me? Forgiveness needs to flow. Father in heaven, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Let us not go back to these remedies that leave us hurting, but live out kindness and tenderheartedness and most of all forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.